0: to the marketplace. Necessity is a mother of invention, and one of the places in the world that has had to be the most inventive is in Cuba for about the last 60 years. And here uh, as our guest today, uh, are, it's a pleasure to have uh, Randy Batista uh, Long-time local, Randy, you've done a little bit of everything, so it's hard to describe. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Um, we also have uh, Gabi Asqui uh, who's the curator of the exhibit um, that we're going to be talking about, and Jorge Lavoy. Uh, welcome, all of you.
1: Thank, thank you. thank you.
0: First of all, uh, let's tell listeners what we're actually talking about. There's an exhibit called uh, Cuban Ingenuity, the Artistry of the Everyday Inventor. It uh, is opening soon, or at least a sneak preek on uh, March the 9th and it's going to run through the end of the year. And um, basically, I'm going to let Gabi give a very short description. Uh, before we talk about it more in detail, what exactly is this uh, exhibit about, and what are people going to see when they walk in the door?
2: So Cuban Ingenuity is a compilation of videos, objects, and graphics that will be in the West Gallery in the Cade Museum. We will have around 45 to 50 objects of different sites, medium, small, and some uh, videos that will project the reality in these days in Havana.
0: So, um, Gabi, just to clarify, you and Jorge, um, did you personally select or curate all of these, uh, all the objects in the exhibit?
1: Yeah, that's that's correct. We um, we did three trips to Cuba to uh, find and um, uh, bring all these objects from there. So, it was a really hard task for us because. We have uh, as I, as Cubans, we don't uh, think that uh, we have like awesome inventions or just uh, um, appealing objects to you know to maybe uh, people from you know um, U.S. or uh, countries that have uh, a lot of uh, progress, mm-hmm. you know, big big countries with um, you know a bunch of tools and the resources. So. Right. Uh, as Kevin, you have uh, the idea of uh, just invent, and it's normal for you. You spend your whole life doing that, so it was really hard to for for us finding uh, the the good uh, example of ingenuity, because for us maybe mm, we have a lawn washer machine motor converted in a lawn motor, and maybe we think that this is normal. You people don't gonna see this like a cool thing. So for the reason we have Anne Gilroy, uh, Gilroy, Gilroy, Gilroy uh, she's the curator of the Thomas Center, and she was all the time like our U.S. eyes, you know, seeing, right. yeah, yeah, seeing the other part. Oh, yeah, bring that one too because this that that's gonna be cool. That that's gonna be you know interesting, right. and that was a whole conflict with the curating and finding the right objects. Right.
0: And I guess for for our listeners who may be um, unfamiliar with recent Cuban history, I mean, essentially, this has been a a condition, as I mentioned, that's gone back for over 50 years. I mean, in 1959, you had Fidel Castro come to power and kind of the disappearance of a market economy. You you went to a a socialist command economy. And then, over time, Cuba became very dependent on the the old Soviet Union for all sorts of things. Everything Mm -hmm. from oil to uh, spare parts and so on and then the soviet union goes away in 1991 and things (laughs) even get tougher for cubans because now the main source of a lot of those things go away and at that point um, randy cubans had to become really inventive right because essentially uh, their access to new products was almost non-existent spare parts extremely limited so you Not pretty innocent. much had to make do with what you had. Give us an example of maybe a couple of the objects in the in the exhibit uh, that demonstrate. Sure.
3: That. Yeah. that uh event. Um, Just a real quick example would be a water heater. You know, for heating water in, in a bucket, yeah. they would just get a stick. They would carve out the stick to, and then they would roll up a piece of wire, copper wire. They would, you know, put it through the stick, and then they would drop that stick with has wired and it just plug it into the wall. And then they would just heat the water. I mean, that's just a very small example. A It shower. doesn't sound real safe. It's I'm not. not, not <laughs> like, it's it. not, it's not. Trust me, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, they, just another quick one. It's like taking a shower, right? Mm-hmm. No hot water. So they had these rigs that have a switch on the wall mm-hmm. and then the shower head was wired to heat the water. And so sometimes as you were taking a shower, you would feel a little tinge of electricity <laughs> running through your body okay that's just a you know a very small example of what yeah. can really you know and it, it richard i mean i can't tell you it's everything it's not right. just you know okay, so little it's, a, it's it's everyday full, life it's, it's, it's about right. pencils it's about paper it's about using uh, a magazine. The first time I went to Cuba, uh, uh, I was handed a piece of food that was been fried on the mm-hmm. in the market, in the street, in the park, and they ripped a nice piece of paper off of a magazine and they handed me my my yuca my fried yuca on a piece of you know a magazine page, you know. And if so, they, I mean the interesting thing about Cuba is like the recycling is just there's nothing thrown away. Right. I mean somebody's garbage, someone will pick it up and they'll do something with it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. I managed to get a sneak
0: peek uh at, at some of the installation this morning and I, I saw there that um it was explained to me that the 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 old Soviet washing machines had these incredibly powerful motors. The rest of the washing machine wasn't really built that well. Right? So essentially the washing machine itself would fall apart but, but then Cubans figured out a way to repurpose those powerful motors and there's one that looked like it was a lawnmower. I mean somebody had taken it yes, and like it's yep, a
2: turned into
3: a lawnmower. With a machete underneath <laughs> it. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, and uh, the back, the bottom part is a old drawer, mm-hmm, drawer a, dra- a drawer, A drawer, and some recycled wood, and the wheels are from a toys uh, baby carriage. Yes.
0: Let Let me ask. Um, is it your impression that that this uh, situation forced all Cubans to become more inventive, or did you just have you know like the local guy in the block who's just really good with his hands, and he's the one that figures this all out, or is this like everyone's got to step up?
2: I think for all of us it was a, a journey of this all mm-hmm. this project because we discovered that since we were born since we born we have been around ingenuity and innovation all the time but yeah. we didn't know so for we were like 2 years without to come back to Cuba we came back because of this project so for us was also discovered that everything everything in our houses was ingenuity yeah. so maybe I grew up with my mom so Maybe my mom wasn't so ingenuity, but everything in my house, even the fish tank, the the heat, the water, like water heater, heater, the antenna to get foreign channels, everything was ingenuity. So I learned stuff that I didn't know that I was creating innovation. And Jorito was much than me because he grew up on the beach, and they have to make even more inventions that. Yeah, that it's, in the a, city. it's
1: kind of a mindset. You know, you you just grow up with that, and you. Um, you have that in your mind, and the way that you know your behavior is always with uh, ingenuity. It's not just about uh, creating a a tool or something to to do whatever. is all is all uh, also uh, the way you think, the way you take a boost, the way you uh, I don't know, go to school. You are always trying to figure that out. You know, you are your mind is always you know, trying to find a solution for something because you always have a problem. To be <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: we said to that in Spanish and Cuban, we said, uh, "inventar," invent. Mm-hmm. So it's like a normal thing. We said, oh, you have to invent. That's yeah. the thing. Right. One of the
3: things you learn about hey, talking to any Cuban, the first time I went, it was like, as you said, they're talking to them. If, they heard, if you heard the phrase, no es fácil, once, you heard, you heard it, it. thirty <laughs> times within a span of three minutes because it is not easy. You know, right. and that phrase means it's not easy, mm-hmm. and it's like it was. It would just flow out of them as if it was water. I mean, it's just like Randy, no es fácil tú You know, and I think that's you know, and like Horita was saying, you know, the the interesting thing is that it's it is such a part of their life, the the in, the ingenuity, of reinventing everything. Mm-hmm. That is to them, it's like they were saying, you know. To them, it was like, okay, this is an everyday occurrence. But to us, to see these items in the museum, it's like, holy smokes, these guys have just really gone way out of there. And for them to try to bring these these you know these inventions over, picking them because they were so accustomed to it. They said, you know, that's, not, that's nothing. But to us, who have not lived with that, and see, yeah. oh my God, this is really really cool. You know, and I think that's what's interesting about this show is that it really depicts. The struggle struggle. and and, and the ingenuity that these guys have, these individuals have done in the community and that's in in the country. Whose idea was this? How did this
0: come together? Randy, were you the one that sort of woke up one day and said this would be cool or, you know,
3: actually, tell me how this came. It's your box. It's Phoebe's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Your wife. (laughs) That's the default answer to everything. (laughs) Yes. As you well know, I did your wedding many years yes, ago, a yes, few yes. years ago. I'm right. sure it was 10 years ago, right? Yeah. right. Um, if you still did
0: wedding photography, I'd put a plug in for you, but you don't do it <laughs> anymore. No, 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 so no, no, no. You don't want a plug no, in. Yes, no. Here. And not only that, but it was done in black and white, which <laughs> was right. an extreme
3: case. Right. Okay. I think we
0: were your last wedding. Yes, you so were. I don't know yes, what that were. says about no, us. No, no, really we, right. okay. we were thrilled.
3: <laughs> okay. We went on a good note. All right. So anyway, so Phoebe and I kept in contact. And she, I told her about my travels to Cuba and that I'd been really seeing all these incredible – Inventions and ingenuity that these people had been done. He said, well, you know, when we build a museum, you know I'd like for you have an exhibit of, you know, the photographs of the exhibit. Well, fast forward two years ago Gabby and Jorjito, um came to Gainesville to do a 2017 Buoyaguan event and they were just fabulous human beings and so I told them a little about that, you know Phoebe has talked to me about doing this event and says, and they said, well, why don't we just bring the instruments over? I said, <laughs> dude, you're on. And so that thing just kicked off, and it has been a journey of just absolute joy. I mean, it's, you just go, oh my God, you know, to bring these items over here to, you know, it was has been an unbelievable feat. You notice what he just did. He just blamed this on you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes wrong. Yeah. Jorge and Gabi was totally their idea. I was just, you know. I was just a catalyst. instrument. So,
0: so tell me your personal stories, uh, Gabi and Jorge. I mean, we're uh, both of you were born in Cuba. In yeah. Havana. In Havana. Yes. Um, when did you come to the United States?
2: Uh, we came like three years ago, exactly. Okay. And we were born in the special period yeah. at that time. We- and that's, So we grew up with the, all the dissolution of the utopia of the revolution. We grew up with that falling apart. Mm-hmm. So we are that generation that is mm-hmm. completely apolitic. We can say that. Yeah. So it's not. we are not like race in that political right. um, program that they have in the beginning, like my parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: were your parents? Are your parents still in Cuba?
2: My parents and Joquito's dad. That,
1: that yeah. That, okay.
0: His and mom the, is
2: living here in. in and US.
0: how? How? What were the circumstances of leaving? How did you get permission to leave? Or what? okay,
2: so I think almost the ninety percent of my of our generation is outside Cuba, mm-hmm. not just in U.S. All around the world, in every place, every place that you can think, they are. They are Cubans, yeah. so I think it was a professional and economic thing. Mm-hmm. Was like a, in Cuba we work a lot in filming, yeah. in arts, in galleries. But I think it was a top for us. We wanted to do more, and U.S. was the the easiest step because we before to came here we were working in U.S. like for two years, coming back and forth, yeah. mm-hmm. working in different museums, uh, yeah, we'll galleries. Yeah. yeah. So it was the. the the easy step I think was the the natural step mm-hmm. to continue. We wanted to learn English, we wanted to learn how, you know, how how the system works in internet or any a lot of stuff that we don't have there. So, um because I was working with um in US for like 2 years, I had a cultural visa. So I and at that time was open the the law that Obama removed later. Mm-hmm. Jorgito had a Spanish passport so we, we were able to come here easily without any trouble
0: Did, did both of you um, train as as artists or is that what you studied in school or how did you kind of move into that that area?
2: So we have different backgrounds that mm-hmm. in some point uh, they are they, they are linked but I study art history and Havana University and after that I spe- I specialize in contemporary art so I was working always in galleries and museums.
1: In my part, uh, um, first I studied uh, music uh, for uh, elementary school, and then I went to National School of Arts for drama. I've been working on TV and films since I I was um, eight years old. So it's like almost 16 or 17 years working on uh, Cuban television and films. Then I started like, I opened kind of a, a producer Filming agency, you can say, because you're not a- allowed to do that in mm-hmm. Cuba. But I mean, so we start working together because I start like uh, producing uh, short films for artists and um, just media, you know, photos or whatever to help uh, other artists and mm-hmm. galleries that don't have maybe the budget or the ability to to uh, produce that. So that that way we start working together, and then we start like uh, curating scenes together. And for that reason, we uh, did our first show in uh, Washington D.C. in the AMA Museum, and um, that was like our first, you know, uh, shock. We realized that maybe we can do something bigger. Maybe we we can f- figure things. And after we saw all the way the the. The world uh, works, and now Cuba is like you are isolated. You don't have credit cards. You don't have you know uh, online uh, way to yeah. yeah. It's just information. We start watching YouTube videos and how to create stuff, and we don't have that in Cuba. We have to uh, ask to the neighbor if the one hundred <laughs> currency. I mean the the ten. Yeah, 110, uh, you know, the electricity. Oh, oh, it doesn't matter. Just plug it in right <laughs> yeah, <now. laughs> yeah, Yeah, it's, exactly. So that was our, you know, we decided that, okay, we need to We need to do something about ourselves and we need to move forward.
3: Right. I mean, I'll have to tell you. Go They've ahead. done exactly that. These guys have been instrumental in just stepping up and creating, you know, ag- exhibitions that are just really fabulous. The first one was at the Thomas Center. And then now this one, which is going to be just, you know, Something to behold because it's it's just so well curated and you know it's, it, so much thought went into it you know and it's just sort of nothing that when people walk in there they'll understand that you know there's a process of really appreciating what the Cuban people have gone through right. and these guys have made this possible and you know they've been here two years and their English is like unreal <laughs>
0: you know tell me this when you went um, when you went to Cuba to start looking for these artifacts did you already have sort of a list in mind of what you wanted or did you just Stumble across things like, "Oh my gosh, we gotta have that!" and let's buy a suitcase and put it in. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah,
1: both. both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had a list yeah. of you know um, things that we sold, but it's a whole reality once you get there and mm-hmm. we used. I mean, th- that Gabi was saying that we spent like two years without come, going, back. Co- uh, come back, and then we realized once we
3: just
2: getting there, getting, the airport. We yeah, we
1: realized that. Oh, this is ingenuity too, and that one too, and and what about that one? I was like, a, you know, <laughs> the <Pandora's> mind. Box. <laughs> but the thing
2: is that we wanted to bring objects that really mean something for the people who yeah. used to have it. So we we create a relationship with these people. And was we learn a lot because sometimes people there love objects because sometimes objects are family, have been with them for thirty, four years. So it's like giving give it to you that object. Means a lot for them. Right. Yeah. Right. So in many cases, they didn't want money or anything. They just wanted an object. That a, re- a replacement. W- I see. Something yeah. interesting. And know that the object will have a nice, a nice home. Yes. All
0: right. Um, Randy. So, uh, you know, I'm just guessing here, but I think you're maybe of a different generation than Jorge and Gabi It's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell. <laughs> I guess yes, Richard. I think. can barely <laughs> yes, notice. Yes. I'm just sort of going out on a limb here. Yes, Richard. I had so, a big birthday last week. <laughs> okay.
3: Well, I was in Cuba. So yeah.
0: But, but as we know as as you know well you know every every generation of cuban has a different story sure. Right? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, your your Cuban background, tell us what your story is or your parents' story. Um, and, you know, how yeah. did, in, give us a nutshell of how did Randy Batista become Randy Batista?
3: How'd you end up in Gainesville? And how'd you end up back in Cuba? Well, if I gave you all my real names, <laughs> you would know exactly my history, but we will go past That's that. That's right. um, So, my situation was that my dad attended the University of Florida and he got his master's degree in soil science here. He was one of four kids that his parents sent him to Philadelphia to go to high school. Then he ended up getting his master's here met my mother from uh, through her brother, who was attending university as well, and, and she was in Tampa. And six months later, they were married, Madeline Love. Uh, my dad was doing uh, research work on soil science in Belgrade, and he was doing it with the sugar corporations. And so we would travel, they would travel back and forth. Um, one of the interesting things that my dad did was that um, when my mother, I was conceived in Cuba, but when my dad realized that you know it was time to give birth, he shipped my mother both times to the states to make sure that both kids were born American citizens. So that dad, that little right, that little event made a major okay, difference absolutely. On,
0: um, so, at the time, your, uh, just so I'm clear, your dad and, and your
3: parents were living in Cuba, but he had studied in Gainesville, or had they already moved to the yeah, no, he Yeah, no, he had studied at the University of Florida. Then, once he got his master's degree, he went to Belgrade, worked at the experiment ah, okay, station, okay, and then he was traveling back and forth to Cuba. All right. With their, but he was a family farm. He was born in Cuba he was, born, yeah, he was Cuba. he was one of 13 kids. Okay. All right. And so, I was uh, five years old when we moved over there, mm-hmm. and- um, when I got there, they called me El Bobo, which means an idiot because I couldn't speak Spanish. <laughs> and then I left in 61, you know, that's got back like, That's here. what they told you, Randy. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, Spanish. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. And then, then I got here, and of course, I didn't know any English, so I had to relearn that, yeah. you know, in the process. And it was interesting because at that time, the, the, you know, I left in 61. So they had just started going from socialism to decided communism. My dad pulled me out of school because they had you know, started to teach communism. And so... They shipped me. They shipped basically I was one of the Peter Pan kids, one of the Pedro Pons. Right, right. And then I ended up with my grandparents in Mm -hmm. in Tampa. And then I came to the University of Florida here. And uh, but you know, our generation is a whole different generation. There was a lot of the the kids who the parents who came over, the cream of the crop who left Cuba, you know, Mm -hmm. lawyers, doctors back in the late fifties and early sixties, you know, were of a different mindset versus what you've got now today, which is yeah, sixty years later. It's a whole different dynamic of what they're yeah. really en- enduring and living through.
0: Well, you were part of a, a kind of a distinguished elite club, the Peter Pan. Uh, you know that that generation actually did pretty well for oh, itself. Yeah. I mean, in the State Department, but, I knew several ambassadors that were part of that generation. Right. Cuban Americans, same story, came over, you know, at a very young age without their parents, and ended up doing quite well in, in the U.S. system. Yeah. Tell us now. Uh, this exhibit at the K Museum is part of a larger. Um, program that, yeah. uh, is that you're doing as well, Randy? Are you, are you culpable? <laughs> well, I am culpable, <laughs> Okay, yes. mm-hmm. Tell my, us a little bit more about it. crazy idea. Uh, Boya
3: Cubana, right? Tell us what it what that is, what yeah. it means. So Boya Cubana um, came about because when I was traveling to Cuba, uh, doing my documentary work for since 96, I noticed that regardless of what people had, one of the things that you noticed is that art, culture was just rampant. I mean, they just live for that. And it's, so it became like their lollipop to exist, literally. I mean, they may not have any pencils. They may not have any food. They're, you know, drinking sugar water, frying plantains, but that culture and that art resonated without even blinking. So I decided after coming back, and I think in 2016, I asked uh, uh, Pons over at the conference center about doing an exhibit at their gallery. And he said, absolutely. So That opened the door to doing an exhibit there of a naive artist. And then when people found out that I was doing this, all of a sudden, all of the institutions ended up joining us. We had the Harm Museum. We had Thomas Center. We had the Florida Natural History Museum, the Phillips Performing Arts Center. And the interesting thing to me was that for the first time ever, this community had embraced an event that they would all collaborate because that had never existed before. And to me, that was a mission that really Buya Cubana was instrumental in doing. And hopefully this will be a stepping stone to really setting a future for what I hope to become, you know, and the community does for Gainesville to become an art city for the arts, you know, a destination for the arts. And so that's what we really, that's our final goal. Mm -hmm. And so we're now on 2021. We've got all five of the major institutions already signed up to travel to Cuba and look for talent and um, we're going to have a mu- an exhibit at the Cade Museum with a very fabulous collector in, out of Tampa who has a beautiful and this, the guy who owns the Estadio Segura's car that's oh, right uh, behind the
0: Tell us, a little little bit, tell us a little bit about that car. I'm going to and Gabby. Because
3: the these guys are the ones that have been really... Okay, used. so we, we have It's
0: <laughs> just so listeners are aware, we have this really cool car sitting in back at the back of the K Museum, but there's something very distinctive about it. I'm going to mm-hmm. let uh, Gabby Jorge tell us about it.
2: Okay, the car, the name, of, it's, a, it's a sculpture. The title is Hybrid of Chrysler. Was made in 2016 for the Cuban artist, uh, by the Cuban artist Estereo Segura. He has been working with these hybrids for a long time, and this car have been, fly, we can say that flying, yep. all around the US and Europe, was first on the Tampa Museum of Art, then traveled to the Venice Biennale, then traveled to Washington DC to the Kennedy Center, and now is here at Gainesville in the Kate Museum.
0: But you have to describe, remember this is radio <laughs> yes. here, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you gotta describe, what does a car look
2: like? Okay, so <laughs> it's a 1953 Chrysler limo, with wings, so it's when you see it's a huge sculpture that seems like it will fly, but really don't. don't. Yeah, we, we are talking <laughs>
1: about that thirty feet wings on top of a Chrysler that nineteen fifty three. What
2: eighteen feet wide, right? The wings, yeah. Went, no, yeah. the wings are uh,
1: 30 <laughs> feet and sort of like simulated uh, little jet engines, as yeah, well. yeah. They so. have two jets, uh, both sides, and I mean, the same, you know, the same color of the car. It's a kind Black. of blend the whole mm-hmm. scene, like real wings yeah. coming out of the.
0: I gotta say, it looks very realistic. So, I'm yeah. guessing yeah. That, that, yeah,
2: that, was the How many people
0: yeah. s- ask you if it's a real flying car? Oh, yeah, all the time, just yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: With who, this car, this is the second car that he did, yeah. the first one was a submarine. So when he was moving the submarine through Havana, uh-huh. the police stopped him because so that was a raft to left the country. So that's every see every time that he yeah. made this invention.
1: That's on video, man. Right. <laughs> right. So illicit planes and submarines, come to the cave. Uh, <laughs> yes. we yeah, got, one of we got it all. One of the things that when we started thinking about the the Cuban Ingenuity exhibition, we, I mean, after we moved to Gainesville, we started thinking we really... Start thinking about bringing value to Gainesville because we really—it's the first sign that we feel like home after we move to to U.S. in general. So we uh, had like the the opportunity of this exhibition to bring that car and just start traveling around Gainesville and bring all that press that that always that car has, you know. Uh, so that was like the first idea after we think about the, the exhibition. Okay, let's bring the, the hybrid and put it somewhere in the K-Museum. So, you know, that way we can make some more noise about Buya Cubana. That's the.
0: Well, I really got to say, you know, Gainesville is very lucky to have uh, you, Gabi, and, and, oh, thank you so much. and I'm just a little bit afraid that you're going to become too successful and you know, Gainesville is going to be too small for you. No, no, no. You're, oh. you're going to go for the big city, <laughs> well, the big lights. We
1: have, we have been, like, hearing a lot of uh, histories about people just having success all around the uh, U.S. and then coming back to Gainesville to, you know... Uh, being here but
0: usually there's like a 30 year interlude (laughs) that. (laughs) (laughs)
3: we're going to put the shackles on Uh, so so real quick Richard I have to tell you we are so proud to really be involved with the Cade Museum you guys have set a standard for this community that I think is outstanding Uh, what you brought to the community to share with us is marvelous and for us to be a part of this it's just brilliant and thank you so much for you guys what you do with the museum because it truly is a fine piece of art mm-hmm. and it's just a f- wonderful instrument to really talk about inventions and what we can do so thank you both well, for Randy, doing that well Randy
0: thanks for hearing that and uh, and I'll make that check out to Randy Batista <laughs> yes a, a v, so. um, but thank you all of you for coming on to Radio K it's been a great discussion and, and really strongly encourage listeners to come by and take a look again uh, we have a sneak peek on March 9th and, uh, but we'll have the exhibit on Cuban ingenuity through the end of the year so thanks very much thank, thank you, you. I'm Richard Miles. Radio Cade would like to thank the following people for their help and support. Liz Gist of the Cade Museum for coordinating inventor interviews. Bob McPeak of Heartwood Soundstage in downtown Gainesville, Florida for recording, editing, and production of the podcasts and music theme. Tracy Collins for the composition and performance of the Radio Cade theme song featuring violinist Jacob Lawson. And special thanks to the Cade Museum for Creativity and Invention, located in Gainesville, Florida.